Injured in a car accident? It's about money. Your money. Your settlement. We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery? You pay no fees or costs. We strive to get you more at LawyerUp904.com. We going to the Super Bowl! And we going to win that! Right? This is a team win today. Offense, defense, and special teams. Never dropped. Fires for the right corner of the end zone. That ball is caught. Caught. Caught from a touchdown. And a hell of a win against a great football team. A playoff caliber team. That shows me, shows you right there, that we're right there. And we are right there with them. Shotgun for Trevor. He drops. He looks. Fires left side of him. Caught. 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 The two-point conversion is good. Jacksonville is taking the lead. I need a one. I need a new ball here, guys. Ready? One, two, three. I mentioned to this man on Thursday. Was it Thursday? Friday. 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 I said after after we win on Sunday. It's victory. To the Super Bowl, and we gonna win this. 1010XL 92.5 FM presents Jaguars Today with your host Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and E to the T. All right, welcome in on a Who Wants Smoked Meat Wednesday on the program. E, we got a lot of victories now starting to stack up. We're stacking them up, baby. Best five and eight team in the AFC right now. So say the. Uh, Conference tiebreakers, Tony, <laughs> at least at the top of the playoff stack among the five and eight teams, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I tell you, I don't know what it says, but it's to me it'll always be who wants smoked meat. Who wants smoked meat? Who wants smoked meat? <laughs> who wants smoked meat? Well, if that's what you want to call it, that's fine. Uh, the Raiders, Ravens, and Titans have received the smoked meat treatment uh, three of the last five weeks. So will the Dallas Cowboys be next up in line. Good morning, Tony. How are you? Good morning. Doing well. Uh, no double D today on assignment. E.T., how are things? E- yeah. yeah. Oh, I interrupted your yeah. My bad. Yeah. There you go. Uninterrupted right there. All right. Uh, folks, the Jags, you know, it's a little funny. It's probably a stretch. But I'm thinking there on Monday, and if Arizona can win that game, you know, and, mm-hmm. and keeps the Patriots at 6-7. and seven, you look at the teams ahead of the Jags in the wild card race, Tony. The Chargers head to head, and the Jets will get a chance to go head to head against them next week. And you know, look, can't control everything right now. Can't control what no. the Titans do for the next three weeks. But looking at it from that standpoint, Titans play the Chargers. Well, the loser of that game, the Jags are going to draw closer to either way. Obviously, the easiest path to being relevant in January is win the division. It's the simplest thing. you got to overcome one team. And by the way, you know, all this, uh, we, we can go X and whatever. The Colts are a half game behind the Jaguars right now, and I don't think they're a good team at all. No. But if you sit there and go, well, we can go this, and if the Titans go this, uh, there is another team that could sneak in and spoil things. I don't think it's likely that they're going to get on a streak late in the season, but 
Uh, probably a lot of people out there are not thinking it's likely the Jags would have won three of the last five games either. No, and look, it's still unlikely that they're going to make the playoffs, but they're alive, right? In multiple ways, they're scenarios. alive. I want scenarios. Uh, here in December, and I was like, okay, let's go look at what the Patriots have left this season because they would be one of those teams, obviously, we're discussing being ahead of them. It would have been nice if they had lost them Monday night yeah. uh, to the Cardinals, but they didn't give you that bone. But this week, they're at the Raiders. Home against the Bengals, home against the Dolphins. They end the season at the Buffalo Bills, and hopefully Buffalo still has something to play for uh, that week if it comes down to a wild-card spot potentially. All right, Buffalo's uh, the got line. the uh, two-game divisional lead, and they could basically put the division out of reach this weekend. Yeah, yeah, but with just the one bye, so who knows what's going to be happening with them in Kansas City at that point in the True. year as far as trying to get the, the bye week in the AFC playoff picture. So we'll we'll see what it comes down to. But, yeah, it's nice to be able to discuss these scenarios and all these things that could potentially happen. Now it all is predicated on you got to win. Oh, no doubt. Right? And it's interesting. I wish Donovan was here to talk about the atmosphere in an NFL locker room when you get into this mode at this time of year where it's you got to keep winning. Like you can't afford to give one away at this time of year. You obviously can't afford to do that in the playoffs, but there's teams that have created some space for themselves that they can lose a game or two coming down the stretch, and they'll be fine, right? Jacksonville's not in that situation. They got to win and likely need to win all four games. Right. Not necessarily, but likely need to win all four games to get into the playoffs. It's it's playoff time, and I that was the disappointment in how they played in Detroit. It felt like it needed to be playoff time for the Jaguars, and they didn't show up that day. We'll see what it looks like for the last four weeks. Right, and look, if you lose one of the three, obviously you've got to stay within or get within a game of Tennessee. Yep. You've got to pick up a game in the next three weeks. So if you lose one and you go two and one, you got to go count on Tennessee losing two of their next three. At the Chargers, okay, I can see that happening. Yeah. Um, at home versus the Texans, I mean, that could be a competitive game, but I would expect Tennessee to win the football game, right? The Texans were competitive with the Cowboys this week. Sure. Versus the Cowboys at home, I think Dallas is the better team. Just, like, Quite frankly, I think they're the better team this weekend as well. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you can't beat the supposed better team, but you're really, your margin for error if you lose to the Cowboys this week is almost non-existent. You would almost, you'd have to have the Titans lose this week. Yeah. have any realistic chance. And granted, they could win this week, lose to the Texans, lose to the Cowboys. You beat the Jets and the Texans, and you're still playing for the division title. I mean, there are possibilities. So there are some outs, but I don't want to leave it in the hands of – I mean, one, I don't think the Titans sweep their next three games. But to count on them to lose two out of three, I don't want to have to be in that position. No, and the pressure that a win for the Jaguars this weekend would put on that Titans team right? Because they are slumping right now on top of everything else that's going. They have not played well in the last three weeks, uh, this Titans team. So if the Jaguars were to go and beat the Cowboys after beating the Titans as badly as they did, they know the Cowboys are coming up on their schedule. Who knows what happens in the Chargers game uh, with the Titans, but I would expect the Chargers to win, but the Chargers are weird, right? Like, they are, but, just, but at least they have something to play for. No doubt. No doubt. And They're in the hunt. But like if, the Jags. like this weekend, if Jacksonville were to beat the Dallas Cowboys and Tennessee were to lose to the Chargers, woo, it's on. <laughs> well, then here, here's the problem with that. 
you better not screw up against the Jets or the Texans. No, I hear you. You better not beat the Cowboys I hear and you. then blow your chance by losing to the Jets or Texans. And I'm not saying the Jets are a bad team. And I know they've lost to the Texans 8 billion times in a row. I yeah. don't care. But the we got to win pressure is a whole lot better than the we can't start losing pressure, which is where the Titans would be. Well, like, that, what, just right, especially, yeah. Because they'll know the outcome of the Jags-Cowboys game yeah. by the time their game kicks off in Los Angeles on Sunday. Yeah, so. It's fun. We haven't been able to do this in a while, and oh. it does feel like one of those, you know, the last two months of the season in a baseball season. You know, it's not baseball because that's every day, right, where you go into a week and you're the team chasing. It's like, let's pick up a game, game and a half this week, and then see what happens and do it again next week, that kind of thing. Uh, NFL football works a little bit differently, but this is fun. They created an atmosphere where you can spend time seriously thinking about and discussing the options that they've opened up for themselves by getting the big win against Tennessee last week. All right, today, uh, Tony, we've got a question of the day. What a surprise. We have one every day presented by Chad and Sandy Real Estate. Multiple offers on your home in three days. Or Chad and Sandy will sell it for free. You can visit them online at chadandsandy.com, spelled just like you would expect. Through 13 games, which newcomer this year 2022 newcomer to the Jaguars has been the best addition of the team so far this is players only Doug Peterson is not eligible for a vote here uh draft pick free agent doesn't matter uh through some photos in there of some qualifying candidates such as Christian Kirk and Foye Oluwakin but you can vote for whomever you want that was not on this roster in 2021 newcomer to the Jags free agency draft pick which one has been the most impactful, however you want to look at it, the best addition for what they've done through 13 games? Not what you're projecting them to do this week, mm-hmm. next week, the future, none of that. Who has made the best contribution? Uh, you can factor in cost if you want to. You can factor in investment, whatever you want, as long as they're a newcomer and you think they've made a significant uh, inve- uh, addition to this team, I should say, in 2022 that's what we're looking for today we'll hear from Doug Peterson who went on the Rich Eisen show Rich Eisen is uh, probably the one of the more renowned national Urban Miller haters so uh, always delightful when uh, Rich sees something positive going on with the Jags and we'll hear some of that audio coming up today John Ogier will join us in hour number two we'll take your calls if you want to get on board at 641-1010 on the phone lines or the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures or Hit us up on Twitter today and talk about that question of the day at MD underscore 1010XL, at 1010XL Fat Tony, and at IME to the T. Come on, somebody. Oh, please do. All right, uh, we're off and rolling. Uh, happy Victory Wednesday. Who wants smoked meat Wednesday on uh, Jaguars today here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM? Now, more Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, here we go. Uh, Oh, by the way, should probably mention, Trevor Lawrence, for the second time this year, is the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. It's not an easy feat to accomplish, although it has been doubled up a number of times. This is the company, uh, Tony, that Trevor Lawrence is in right now. Mahomes was Player of the Week in weeks one and four, so two times there. Uh, Tua had it in week two. Of course, Trevor in week three against the Chargers and now in week 14 against the Titans, the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. 
Back-to-back weeks for Josh Allen in five and six. So he's had it twice. Joe Burrow had it in week seven and just last week in week 13. So he's done it twice. Derrick Henry in week eight. Joe Mixon in week nine. Jonathan Taylor in week 10. Travis Kelsey in week 11. Josh Jacobs in week 12. So he had a string of guys winning it for their first and only time this year. So six of them have gone to players that have only done it one time this year, and four other players have now done it twice. So the company that Trevor Lawrence is in, just on that list, and that, that you know doesn't mean you're playing great in every other game, but no, Patrick no. Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence. That's your list of players who have been the AFC Player of the Week offensively twice so far this year. That's a pretty good company. Uh, that's great company uh, for Trevor Lawrence, and it – Goes back to the discussions we had throughout the entire offseason. Can Trevor Lawrence reach the level of playing along the, the with those guys, right? That's the company. That's the guys at the top of the AFC. Can Trevor Lawrence be discussed among those guys? And well, keep his name in that discussion. Right. He's got another month of this season, but yeah, especially here in the last four or five weeks, absolutely. He's in the same kind of discussion with those guys in the AFC as we did, we talked about here for the last couple of days. I think it is about consistency at this point. But, yeah, right now he's playing as well as any quarterback in the league. He is over the last month and a half or yeah. roughly that period of time, uh, even taking into account that Denver game, you know, particularly the last five games. Yeah. Uh, however, of course, uh, I don't know if you notice this, Clayus Campbell is a special teams player of the week for blocking a field goal against Pittsburgh late in that football game uh, that ended up, I think, being a two-point Ravens win. Did you see who the NFC Offensive Player of the Week was? I did not. Take a guess. Any any guess? NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Baker Mayfield. Baker freaking Mayfield. Yeah. What odds could you have gotten on right. that? They would not have posted odds on that in Vegas. Didn't even start the game. And he's your NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, Brandon Graham, I think he had three sacks for Philadelphia, uh, was the defensive player. Josh Uche uh, for New England, your defensive player in the AFC. Um, regardless, Trevor Lawrence playing extremely well right now. Part of that are some of the new additions to this offense. Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, along with Evan Ingram this week, exploding for a career-best 162 yards, a Jaguars tight end Record best. So today's question of the day, we're asking for the best newcomer to the team, the most impactful through 13 games this year. Tony, it's depressing is too strong a word, but it's disappointing that Trayvon Walker and Devin Lloyd aren't obvious candidates for this award. Mm -hmm. I I think after the first month of the season, we thought, you know, no, there were no bounds to what we thought Devin Lloyd was going to accomplish this year. Defensive rookie of the year. Hell, he might be defensive player of the year, Tony. <laughs> I mean, we were just so uh, giddy with his performance early on, getting some turnovers. Obviously, he got benched for Chad Muma. Uh, as you hear, Jeff Lagerman still struggling to get the offense or the defense nailed down, right? I mean, to, to the point where, you know, Foyer is still having to point out where he needs to be uh, when he lines up, and it's not coming natural or instinctively just hasn't absorbed it to that point yet. Um, And Trayvon Walker is great. He made a big play this week. Haven't had that many of those, though, this year. You know, that was a, a, you know, a tide-turning play. Didn't win the game for them, but it it stemmed 
whatever Tennessee momentum they had. Tennessee still, after that, after the Jags knotted it up, were able to go up 14-7 to in the football game. But at that point, after they'd run it down your throat with Derrick Henry and you'd gone three and out, that was a pretty clutch play by Trayvon Walker. But I, I don't think anybody is really going to argue that he's the most impactful newcomer on this football team, not even on that defense. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Just hasn't been consistent enough, obviously, for it to be. At, and he's not anywhere near the most consistent among the new additions that they made this offseason, right? And I think that's not a big surprise to me. We discussed it when they drafted him. Like, they're talking about it's basically going to be a year before they really get into whatever Trayvon Walker's going to be. We're going to play him in one position. We don't want to overload him. All these different things. We've talked to Jeff Logman and different people over the course of the offseason and into this season now uh, that he doesn't have a whole bunch of pass rush moves, but they drafted him at number one overall, right? Like, that's on them, but I'm not surprised that we have four weeks left in the season and we can have a discussion about the most impactful additions to the team this offseason. And, no, I, I don't think Trayvon Walker is – anywhere near the top of that list for me no me either and and I'm just saying that's you know the fact that you had the number one pick and 13 weeks in I mean he's not you can't I don't think make a strong argument I think there are three or four candidates that are easily more impactful than him in my opinion um at this point look that doesn't mean his career won't be phenomenal here but you know okay simplify things in terms of play one position but you know, if this is the position you think he's going to excel at, we got to see more of it. Um, mm-hmm. And nobody's trying to bury Trayvon Walker, but we no. got, we got to see more of what we saw this week, which is game-changing plays. And don't kid yourself, a sack force fumble can be a major game-changing play. I heard uh, E.T. and Dan talking about it this morning. Do the Jags win without those four turnovers? Maybe without all four of them. You know, it's, you know, I don't know if they don't, if they win that game without at least a couple of those turnovers. Yeah. I don't think they win it without the first one. That may be the case, depending yeah. on what Tennessee ultimately does on that drive. If you go down 14 to nothing at that point and Derrick Henry's rolling, who knows? Yeah. But they did make the play. They I mean, did. And that's the difference. You know, when they've been bad, you've been waiting for that play, and then a team goes on a 12-play drive that cuts your heart out with a bunch of little six-yard completions and and – they're quite capable of giving up those drives <laughs> yes, they right are. now. You yeah. know, but I mean, it's not only the turnovers, it's the twenty points that you scored off them. There's no question in my mind. I was about to say they forced an avalanche of turnovers against the Chiefs. Didn't matter. Right. They, they had, didn't score. They had the plus three in the turnover department, didn't capitalize on them, and the Chiefs were still getting plenty. Uh, you know, so it's not a guarantee. But if you're going to have a chance to beat the Dallas Cowboys, I think they – I mean, look, it's always important to win the turnover battle. It's – look, I'm not going to sit here and say it's impossible to win because funny things happen in sports. You know, if the, the Cowboys have a plus-one turnover advantage, you fumble one away, that doesn't mean you can't win the football game. I'm just saying you want to talk about taking a stat that is always reflective of, you know, in the big picture – the final outcome, turnover margin, one of the most key indicators, mm-hmm. I think is whatever that is, whatever percentage that indicates who's going to win the game, you can ratchet that up significantly that weekend from the Jaguars' perspective at the very least. I think the the Cowboys are more explosive and therefore can afford to maybe lose the turnover margin and still win the football game 
The Jags are playing explosively right now, but they also don't have the pass rush that the Dallas Cowboys have. They're more likely to make those game-changing plays in that department, I think. Although Dak will throw you the football. We saw it this weekend, and Trevor Lawrence hasn't been doing that much lately. For sure, and the... The forecasts for these kind of things are a lot cloudier with Dallas because I, I just think Dallas is a really good team. So they've been able to overcome even turnovers and those kind of things over the course of the season. They don't necessarily need to force turnovers to win games. When they do force turnovers, they can win big, right, like they did against the Indianapolis Colts a few weeks ago. It's Tennessee was a team – I remember looking at the number last week when we were getting ready for keys to victory on Friday. When Tennessee doesn't force the opponent to, to turn the ball over in a game, they lose, right? They just lose. When they aren't given those opportunities by the opponent, they lose, and the Jags didn't turn the ball over on Sunday. They protected the ball, which they've been pretty good about for the last – while Trevor's been this hot, they've mm -hmm. been pretty good about it. ETM put it on the carpet a couple weeks ago yeah. against Detroit, right? It's not like they're clean – on those things, but they've been pretty good about it because Trevor's been so good about it um, since the interception that he threw against Denver. He's protected the football. Uh, Dallas is a team where you turn it over against the Dallas Cowboys, you're in big trouble. Like, you just – it's already a team that can beat you in a bunch of different ways. You hand them extra opportunities in the middle of a football game – you can overcome it against a bunch of teams in the league. Dallas doesn't feel like one of those teams. Right, and I don't think the Jags are there yet. Yeah. You know, I mean, recent trend is great, but let's see that continue to play out over a longer period of time that you feel like, you know, if you lose the turnover battle, you're up against it a little bit here. But, you know, you got to get to the level where, you know, good teams can shrug that off. As we pointed out several times this week, Patrick Mahomes threw three interceptions this past week, but he had already built a 27-0 lead against the Denver Broncos, and they won the football game, and they hung on. So at the end of the day, you go, yeah, all right. So, you know, kind of like it's like a cat toying with a mouse, you know? Like, all right, <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, here you go. You have a pick. What are you going to do with it? Nope, get back here. Smack you right back down. And Denver did something with some of those turnovers, but they ultimately win, and nobody's going, oh, Patrick Mahomes, this is an issue. Yeah. You know, this guy's a turnover machine. No, he can overcome it. Well, we've also seen at times this year, this has been a Jaguars team that really does step up to their opponents, right? If you go look at the playoff standings in the AFC, and we know where they stand as far as they got to make up a couple games on basically the whole conference. They mm -hmm. need to make it up on Tennessee. They need to make it up on the two teams uh, or the Patriots that are sitting in the seventh spot in the AFC right now. If you look at strength of victory, the Jags are tied for the best in the conference with the Buffalo Bills, right? Like, the, the opponents that they've beaten have been solid. And you look at, like, Tennessee, their, win per, their strength of victory is really low. It's the second lowest in the conference uh, this year, but ahead of only the Raiders as far as their strength of victory. Now, I don't think that tells the whole story on your football team or who you are, those kind of things, but I think it does tell you – that the Jaguars, when they've been put in these kind of moments against a team like Baltimore, like that kind of thing, against the Chargers on that road trip, they've come up big a couple of times this year. They were in that game against the Philadelphia Eagles, just had the fumbling issue that week, which seems to have been fixed for Trevor Lawrence since then, by the way. But they have come up big a couple of times in a couple of big moments. Well, now you're doing that with playoff pressure on top of it. I'm curious to see how the team handles that this week. 
because they did that against Baltimore. Yeah, there's a, a big difference, in my opinion, though, like in the Bills having the same strength of victory. Basically, what it's saying is that you take the record of the teams you've beaten. Yep. And what is that record of the teams that you've won against? And the Bills' record are the record of the Bills' opponents that they've beaten. The 10 teams they've beaten is 500. Yeah. So, same with the Jags. But it's more impressive when you won twice as many games. No doubt. Because you're naturally going to be beating bad more bad teams yeah. no in doubt. there, right? And so, you know, where the Jags have only beaten a couple of teams under 500 and the Raiders and the Colts, uh, they've had the good play and the good fortune to beat the Chargers, the Titans, and the Ravens, who uh, the Ravens are currently the three seed in the playoff picture. The Titans, the four seed, Chargers on the first team on the outside looking in. And uh, so it is, you know, the wins they have are impressive ones. And you look at the Chargers, for instance, they've got seven wins. The strength of the teams that they've uh, beaten is 34%. Yeah. That's, they've won 34% of their games. So they've beaten a lot of bad teams. Um, I'd like to trade places with them, right? I, you know, sure. like give us some win, give us a win against the Texans and your strength of victory would plummet, right? Because you'd pick up a win against a team that's no doubt. Ele like 11 games, 10 games under 500 right yeah. now. So um, it's an interesting indicator. Doesn't tell the whole story, but you know, the look, if they got in and won the division and everything else stayed the same, Oh my gosh. Come on, Joe Burrow. Come on down to town. Yeah. That That's what you would have. Trevor Lawrence v. Joe Burrow for at least one offseason young quarterback mm -hmm. bragging rights in the AFC. Well, it's going to be them or the Ravens having to come down here again. Uh, Yeah, right, depending on who wins the division. They're yeah. both tied at 9-4 and four at the moment, though. You yeah. know, So, look, I I'd take my chances against, honestly – Anybody, just give us the chance yeah, right now. Yeah. Uh, go beat the Dallas Cowboys, and you make that chance that much more likely. We'll come back, and we'll hear from the head man. Doug Peterson himself was on the Rich Eisen Show talking about uh, a lot of the Jaguars' recent play. If you want to get in and talk about where things stand, you're welcome to at 641 Don't forget the Chad and Sandy real estate question today asking you who, through 13 games, is the best newcomer that the Jaguars have added this year, either through the draft or free agency. Uh, give us your thoughts on that, and we'll tally them up towards the end of the program today. With Tony Smith and E.T., I'm Mike Dempsey. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Everything you need to know about the Jags. Jaguars today on 1010XL. All right, so last week we asked, uh, what would you do? If the Jags swept the Titans, like, what would you be willing to give up? Mm -hmm. In other words, hey, you know, if the Jags could only sweep the Titans, I'd give up cheeseburgers for a month, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. whatever's important to you. So Duval Doom initially said if they sweep the Titans, he'd give up margaritas or margs, as he refers to them. Drinks them in these tiny little cups. Get a bigger cup. <laughs> anyway, and then I think he adjusted and said, you know what? If they just beat them this week in Nashville, I will give up the margaritas until we play them again in 2023. Not the last game of this season, but the 2023 season, the next season. So, mm -hmm. so off the margaritas, apparently. So now Doom, unprompted, tweets to me, in the interest of trying to make this work again, if the Jaguars beat the Cowboys Sunday, I will give up pizza for the entire calendar year. Oh. 2023. I don't know how important pizza is 
to Duval Doom. Uh, it's the second most common thing I see him tweet as far as, like, the margarita is at the top mm. uh, as far as things that he consumes <laughs> that I see. Uh, the next one, I think it's pizza. I thought he was like a brisket kind of guy. Like, I'm going to – one of these people, you know, that He'll likes take the a picture barbecue of what he's porn. Cooking. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. hey, look at this. I got the ribs blackened to perfection. Ah. <laughs> people love to tweet – Pictures of their foodie. You ever oh, tweet food pictures? No, that ain't really much. I'll, I'll admit, uh, when I've had a few cocktails, I may have, you know, on some. Look uh, at this. Some road trips. <laughs> Look at me and Tony and Donna in New York City. We're drinking drinks. Have you ever seen such a thing? <laughs> That's, right here. That's a little different vibe, though. It's not like, ooh, look what I'm eating. It's look, a little look, different vibe. It's, it's a little different than like. Hey, I went to lunch today, and the, right. the food truck had some amazing street corn. I just couldn't imagine anything better, uh, which is great if you were that person. Anyway, Doom's giving up pizza if the Jaguars beat the Cowboys this Sunday. So he's trying to make the sacrifices He's working on people. it. Uh, John Shipley, by the way, here about 10 minutes ago, Doug Peterson speaking this morning. Yes. Uh, the Jaguars head coach says that outside linebacker Trayvon Walker is day-to-day, called it a high ankle injury. Mm. So we'll see. That's a tough one. It is a tough. One. Like, I mean, we need, I look, wouldn't as, expect to see him this week, and then then you got a short week. No, but as much as Trayvon Walker is not filling up the stat sheet, I want to have Trayvon Walker out there, no doubt. You know, because he's still this physical presence. Ah, uh, we'll see. Day to day does not yeah. rule him out. Doug also said that. Yeah, he looked more explosive playing in a three-point stance. Didn't commit to whether or not that would be something they do more often, whatever, Gee. but did acknowledge it. Uh, also, we did this whole pre-draft process to determine he should be an outside linebacker. Yeah, and then also said that Devin Lloyd played one of his better games of the year this past Sunday, said, quote, he can build off that. End okay. Quote. All right. We'll, we'll take see. his word. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not trying – I don't want to bury any of these guys, but no. – I just want more production from first-round picks. It's uh, enough of this. Well, hey, two years from now, we're trading a first-round pick for a sixth-rounder. And the Walker thing is potentially – I don't know how much he's going to give him as a pass rusher at this point, but he's a good run defender. And you're going up against one of the best running back tandems in the league coming into town this Sunday and Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. If he's not able to play, they'll miss him. At least in that part of the game, they'll miss Trayvon, Trayvon Walker as a run stuffer. Uh, here's what will happen. Uh, Jags will pull the upset victory. It'd be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will get multiple tweets suggesting, see, they need to bench Trayvon Walker um, because they're much better without him, mm. right? I, I guarantee it. We'll get them. I'm not saying they'll be no doubt well thought out, but we will get them nonetheless. All right, fan the way you want to fan. All right, let's get to Doug Peterson uh, on the Rich Eisen Show. I believe this is from yesterday. Um, starting off with something we kind of joked about a little bit with Jeff Lagerman yesterday. Uh, J.P. Shadrick brought it up to Doug on the postgame show. Hey, Trevor didn't practice this week. Seemed to go pretty well. In fact, he won AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, here was Peterson on Lawrence uh, able to just observe and still come out and rip it. For him not to practice twice on Wednesday and Thursday last week and really get all the mental reps and to come out and perform the way he did for a, for a second year player and really a first first year player for us obviously uh, is is a is a tremendous feat and and this guy he just wants to be coached he wants to he wants to improve he wants to learn you know he wants to grow as a quarterback and 
you know, I think the one thing that, that I appreciate, you know, uh, with him right now is he's taking care of the football. He's, he's running the system, running the offense, and uh, played through, obviously played through and is going to continue to play through injury each week. Uh, especially in his foot, but um, just a, just a great performance uh, for him and, and his development. It's it's sort of a step in the right direction, obviously, um, but but very impressed with how he handled his week of preparation, and uh, it showed on Sunday. As Logs described it yesterday, in command of the offense, and that's what Trevor Lawrence is obviously the point he's at right now. We'll see what else they want to throw at him this week. Different opponent with the Dallas Cowboys as well. Um, Rich Eisen also asked Tuck Peterson a question that we've been not asked this way, but certainly a discussion that we've been having for a while now. Essentially, the question is, has Trevor Lawrence arrived? Is he there yet? He's on his way to there. Um, I would say he still has some room to grow, you know, and get better. But he's he's definitely taking steps in the right direction. I, I you go back and look at the beginning of our season, and mm-hmm. you know we were a little bit careless with the football, and and uh, situational ball wasn't wasn't quite quite there yet. Just understanding details of the game and and understanding situations of the game, and this is where his his growth has come. And I and honestly, Rich, I think. I think, and I believe that that interception he threw on the goal line at Denver when we played in London yes. uh, several weeks ago, I think was, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a, a wake-up call or a, a, a bell that rung in his head that says, listen, I've, I've got to do a better job of protecting the football. I'm, you know, you're hurting the football team and, and putting the you know, team in harm's way like that. I just think that was a, a play that, one, he would like to have back, but I really put, think it put him on a trajectory or a path that he's on right now. And, and sometimes it takes a play like that or a moment like that for, you know, young players to understand just how to play this game. And, and since that point, he's, he's really uh, done an outstanding job of, of just, um, you know, taking care of the ball, executing the offense, and, and really dispersing, dispersing the football where it needs to be. All right, so uh, Doug Peterson, again, this is uh, appearing on the Rich Eisen Show. we got more uh, coming up here momentarily, but uh, just interesting. I, I, I agree with him here, Tony, and you know, I think most people probably do. Most level-headed people probably do. Couldn't believe how many people, though, were coming at me last week when I said, look, I don't think he's arrived yet. It, was that performance this week, has he arrived? Mm-hmm. That performance was one of a quarterback who's arrived, but when you're talking about the best, the guy, the other three guys who were two-time AFC Offensive Players of the Week this year, Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, they've arrived to the level where you expect it every single week. Trevor's crashing into that right now, and mm-hmm. can he push through? And all those guys have won a lot more. And I'm not saying that it's fair because Trevor's only sitting here in a second year, but, you know, Burrow went to the Super Bowl last year. It just It is what it is. Um, so – Let's leave some room for growth for Trevor Lawrence. That's a beautiful thing. This is not the best he'll ever be, not the best he's capable of being. Yeah, if if they do what they need to do over the course of the last month of this season to play in a playoff game this year, he's here. Correct, but yeah. I want to see it play out over the last let's, – let's Absolutely. Give it, let's get, can yeah. we not give it four more games I'm to see where it. he's at, right? Yeah, that's fine. Let's, let's go out there. Even if you beat the Cowboys, back it up. If you beat the Cowboys – Put it this way, if you're in position after this week to control your own fate, like if you beat the Cowboys and the Chargers beat the Titans, you damn well better make the postseason then. You know, so, I mean, the expectations get ratcheted up 
The more you do, the more is expected of you. A couple more here from, I'd like to say quick ones, but Doug's pretty thoughtful <laughs> here. Uh, just on the impact C.J. Beathard has had on Trevor Lawrence in that quarterback room. I think with a lot of young players in this league, teaching them how to watch tape um, is, is important. You know, mm-hmm. and as coaches, we got to show guys how to watch tape. And having a guy like C.J. Beathard as a backup, a veteran quarterback, hmm. has been a huge help to Trevor in that in that regard. So you're seeing him, you're seeing him, you know, get with Luke Fortner in the offensive line, watch tape. You're seeing him get with the quarterbacks and watch tape. Um, getting with the skilled position players during the week and watching tape on their own outside of the coaches' meetings, and then he and I getting together on Thursday evenings or him, him getting with Press Taylor, you know, my offensive coordinator uh, during the week and just kind of, you know, pouring over the game plan and getting his thoughts and ideas. And it's just the maturity level that, you know, for a young quarterback to, uh, to show us is, is, you know, tells us that we have the right guy and um, the, the effort and the amount of time that he puts into his study and preparation um, and the communication that we have during the week and during games is just, uh, you know, again, it's just kind of second to none to, you know, where uh, I think where he's he's been and, and, and you know, obviously where he's come from. I think he's just getting Trevor Lawrence, just getting to the point where he can start to start to carry this team a little bit, right? Make ups for some inefficiencies and some deficiencies uh, along the way. Not 100% there yet. But I know they're going to lose guys next offseason due to salary cap issues, and they'll replace them. But will they replace them with the same level of players? We'll find out. Mm-hmm. I'll still expect more, Tony, because I, I think going into year three, we're going to feel like, all right, this guy is arriving. And he can, like, you know, that you, you can take a so-so group of skill position players and really elevate them if you are that guy. And you can throw it that accurately, that kind of timing, lead guys – all the things we saw him do against the Tennessee Titans this week, uh, that'll become more and more commonplace. No doubt about it. One more here from Coach Peterson having a discussion with Rich Eisen yesterday. And Eisen asked him about the Dewey Winger comments and how much that reflects in Doug Peterson's opinion, the confidence that the locker room appears to have in him right now. I mean, it just listen, it, it, it you know – I love it when guys talk that way. Um, I feel like that they they're 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 they've bought in, you know, to to me and and to the staff and and what what I've brought here and and you know I I love mixing it up with the players and, and being in there showing showing that I'm I'm equal. I'm not any any bigger or greater than they are and and um, you know show that enthusiasm, show that I care about the player and and really. I think having been a been a player myself, you kind of understand how to how to deal with these guys, and and it's a it's definitely a different different day and age now. But I think understanding and sort of changing my my ways, my philosophies, maybe with the way I practice or meet or whatever it might be, that these guys are buying into that, and and um, you know uh, really really I think just these guys just want to be coached. Um, they they want some honesty, they want some transparency, and. They don't want they don't want a lot of fluff and and uh, been able to you know sort of bring that to them and you know a guy like uh, you know Dewey as we call him mm. uh, to say that just just tells me that these guys have bought in they 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 trust me I trust them and and uh, you know we go play we go play games and has it been perfect no it hasn't you know Rich but um, I, I do believe that this team is heading in the right direction and uh, you know we got four games remaining you know this season and uh, we'll see what happens. If you don't recall the specifics of what Andrew Wingard said, uh, quote, 
This is after the Ravens game. Quote, I would die for Doug Peterson. I swear. I would run into battle for Doug Peterson 100%. I love the guy. We come into work. We keep working. We keep chipping away, and eventually it's going to pay off, and it did today. The feeling in the locker room was awesome. I love this team. There's been some of that missing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone feels good after a win. There was nothing to say that about last year. True, right. But just in you can still have that, you know, kind of esprit de corps in your locker room that I feel like, and and yes, winning certainly brings it out. But I think there's been a lot of factions in the Jaguar locker room over the last several years, right? And uh, it seems like everybody's pulling in the same direction and, Hopefully they continue to get the results because, you know, no matter what message you're getting, no matter how good it is, if you don't get the results, it's going to start to fall on deaf ears. But hopefully uh, three out of the last five is an indicator of things to come for the Jaguars. John Osher going to join us coming up next from Jaguars.com as uh, we'll get into all the latest, including what Doug Peterson had to say this morning at his uh, midweek press conference. Trevor Lawrence scheduled to speak a little bit later on. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and E.T., you're listening to Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Oh Knows with Jaguars.com's John Osher. Brought to you by Kingfish Pest Control. Proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. On 1010XL. All right, here we go. Hour two of Jaguars today on a victory Wednesday. Why not? Uh, You beat the Titans. You get the whole week. Pretty much you beat anybody this year. You're going to get the whole week, Tony. Eventually, it'll become more commonplace. And we'll only stretch it out to Victory Monday. But that's then. This is now. Uh, Johnny 5 and 9 joins us. Uh, as uh, John, some people think having a bye in the fantasy playoffs is where it's at. I think a matchup of two 5 and 9 teams deep in the consolation ladder is really the matchup you want to pay attention to this week. Well, when I talked to my players, they were disappointed Monday not to get in the playoffs. But now they're ready again. Were they were they expecting to? Because no. they they weren't following the standings most of the year. Is that how that worked uh, out? But they had that run at the end of the season. Remember, you, they won four games in a row. Yeah, and then, uh, uh, injuries hurt us last week. So. Well, I, you're you're. I'm hoping good medicine for me. I uh, started five and two, and I uh, struggled to a five and nine finish in that particular that's league. Not struggling. So that, that's, that'd be a seven game. That's free fall. That's a that was a complete <laughs> collapse, is what it was. But. Uh, so set your lineup, and we'll have a battle of titans uh, this week at five and nine I, in the consolation bracket. I'm ready for it. I'm I'm glad you made me aware. I assume since the season was over, there was no eh, game this week. There, there's so nothing I'll... to be. You know, it's only for bragging rights. <laughs> it's only for funsies. Uh, is what it is. Speaking of fantasy, one thing quickly. I saw this uh, posted on uh, the internet. Where else would it be posted? It must be true. Yes. So it has to be true. Um, if you played this lineup. In week 14, uh, Derek Carr, Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, Stephon Diggs, Jalen Waddle, Mark Andrews, Travis Etienne. Pretty good lineup, right? A lot of big-name guys. You would have lost to Evan Ingram. Hmm. Uh, All of them collectively that's a good one. lost yeah. to Evan Ingram. What was Evan's point? To whatever 39.2. They, they collectively put up 36.5. So you had wiggle room to play anybody you want. You could have had Jeff Driscoll at quarterback. You could you fine. usually do that? Any week, that sort of stat, I guess you could, you know. Uh, maybe. If somebody, goes, cra- pretty, if somebody yeah. goes crazy, um, you can generally find seven guys that you're like, hey, look, they beat these seven guys, you know. But uh, those are some pretty big names. Stephon guys. Diggs, not usually on that list of seven. Not usually. Nick yeah. Chubb, not usually on that list. Yeah. So, it is what it is. But uh, just uh, just 
shows you how dominant Evan Ingram was this week, to be sure. How dominant was he, John? Just uh, He was good. He he was awfully good. It it, it set up for him nicely. Uh he, he got a couple of I don't say breaks, but plays that were set up. The catch and run uh, the couple of catch and runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the first touchdown was beautifully designed. He's yeah. got everyone's flowing left. Byard kind of gets caught up in the wash, right. and Evan Ingram is just sprinting across the field, and and he gets the angle, and he outruns him to the corner of the end zone. It, it was a, another well designed play, and they seem to have three or four of them a game that set up uh, one of their players for success. They're doing a nice job on that front. You know, Evan Ingram. That's by far his big game of the season. I mean, you look at the four games prior to that. Yeah. And he had like less than 60 yards combined. Right. So you don't want to get too caught up in the moment. You see that and you're like, man, what could be right. with this guy? What are they going to do at tight end this offseason? Do I don't know. I mean, it, I think they have, uh, you know, you can always re sign guys if you want to. They're not up against the cap to that. I mean, now they're up against the cap, but if you maneuver, if, 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 if you want to uh, juggle it, I think Evan's a guy that they could get back if they chose to go that route. I don't have a great feel for whether they will. Uh, I, I don't think it's a given because, you know, he he has not been that guy except for that game. The, the other side of that with him is I do believe that he's one of those players that if defenses don't account for him, he can always do that. So he matters in that sense in terms of game plan and in in enforcing opponents to game plan for him, I think you have to, which helps other players. So you need a guy like that. Wouldn't surprise me if they tried to do it in the draft and uh, another prove it deal type thing, just because of their cap situation. I wonder how open Ingram would be to another prove it deal at this point. Like he is having prove- a good season. This week was obviously it, it's probably the best week he'll ever have in his career. Uh, what he did this week, but he's having a solid season this year. Is that enough for him to say, look, I'm not looking to do another one-year deal. I'm looking for something beyond that. And if it is beyond that, are the Jags, do you think, interested in doing that? Well, it doesn't have to be proven to be cap-friendly. I I think there would be a way to do it cap-friendly, particularly for next year's salary cap. You can always sign a guy, backload it, and not take a huge hit. Um, You know, I never want to say that guys are willing to take less to stay at a place because it's the NFL, and once it hits March, that's probably not realistic. I think out of all the guys I've dealt with, though, he would be a guy who would be open to trying to work something out here. Uh, from from talking to him, he really likes being here. He likes his setup. He likes Peterson. He, he likes the locker room. Whatever factors that would play in a contract, I think would be in the favor of, of working it out. Once money starts talking in March, though, those kind of, uh, those yeah. things. Uh, Look, the, the math is not simple here because, it, well, you can easily get back under the cap threshold. Yeah. Okay, to do that, you're opening up more holes, and you've got to replace those players with someone, and you've got to pay right. those guys something. So it's not just enough to say, all right, let's get back to even. you got to get under far yeah. enough so that you can go out there and have some – cash to go sign some guys even if it's if it's backloaded contract mm-hmm. and you're probably you know at this point you know Shaq Griffin's kind of out of sight out of mind but you went into the season with him as one of your top two corners right. on this football team so you're going to be likely replacing him because that's where you could get the biggest savings Roy Robertson Harris is the next guy where you can get the biggest chunk 
And that almost gets you back down to where you need to be to break even. I'd be surprised if either of those two are here next. Right, but that right. so now okay, do you need a starting defensive lineman yeah. and do you need a starting corner on that team? And and what resources do you have to fill those spots? Certainly, you can draft some of this, but only have so many draft picks too. Right. Yeah. I I think it's going to be a year where they depend on guys already on the team to develop into spots. You know, you know what it is? And, and not, I'm sorry to interrupt no, you. We were talking about this earlier. It's Trevor Lawrence. If Trevor Lawrence takes the step to right. where he is, like he gets his second player of the week award, right, which puts him in the company this year of Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. If he puts himself into that company full time next year, those are guys that take what they have. Yeah. I don't know what Isaiah McKenzie is off the Buffalo Bills, but man, when Josh Allen's thrown to him, right. he's a really effective playmaker. You know, that's sending young quarterback makes a lot of holes not as deep. Correct. You cover sense. up for a lot right. of deficiencies. You yeah, know? and that's what you depend on. That's you hope that he ascends, brings it along with him, and then you get to that twenty twenty four year. Where Trevor has a brand new contract and he's getting eight billion dollars. Right, well, <laughs> true. Uh, yes. I wonder true. how that'll work. Like though, you know, will they sign him to an extension? Obviously, he's going to get the extension uh, eventually, right? But will they sign him to one that is like, okay, you're still playing out your rookie deal on the fourth year, um, and beyond that, you're getting whatever it is. You know what I mean, and if, and maybe if that's guaranteed. Yeah, like a big chunk that guaranteed. Would be palpable. It's like, look, you've you. You're you, gonna get the money. Yeah, you're getting the signing. You've bonus got enough anyway. money, right? You're yeah. getting the signing bonus, and 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 but right, this you. will yeah. enable us to be even more competitive now going into your right. fourth year. Considering, and again, I want to speak for Trevor because once money gets involved, you never know how things happen on those fronts. You would think you'd be in a better position to do that if you're Trevor Lawrence because you've already signed the first contract that made you more money than you'll ever need. So waiting that next year for the new uh, Lexus is probably not yeah, a big factor. Hint, no compensation in crypto, okay? Just helpful hint for all <laughs> you out there. Don't take anything. And I know that was only from his crypto deal, but just as a – that's me helping you out, Trev. Right. Okay. Just stay away from the whole crypto thing. All right. Uh, we'll come back and uh, we'll talk to John about what he heard from Doug Peterson this morning. Also, talk about today's question of the day. Chad and Sandy Real Estate presents it. Uh, who is, uh, through 13 games, the most impactful newcomer this year? Which player who was a draft pick or free agent signing this past offseason uh, do you think has been the best addition through this point of the season? So far, not looking at what you expect to come down the line. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, John Ogier, and ET. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Oh, no's. With Jaguars.com's John Osher. Brought to you by Kingfish Pest Control. Proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars on 1010XL. All right, Tony, I'll take you around the league coming up in a few minutes. Uh, but first, let's take you around Doug Peterson's press conference from this morning. John, I guess the uh, biggest news uh, as we talk here with Jaguars.com senior writer John Osier is the diagnosis of a high ankle sprain for Trayvon Walker, although uh, deemed to be day-to-day, yeah. said Doug Peterson. That's what it sounds I mean, Doug said high, I think. Uh, so usually when it's high, uh, it doesn't bode well for that week, but – He's saying it's day-to-day, and 
that doesn't always hold true. I, I've seen guys play through high ankles if they're not severe. So that's always a weird one because it's it's a vague injury that doesn't always uh, uh, hold to the early fears. So we'll see. What do you think the uh, the plan is? Who would Smoot to start? Who's the Who's the guy? You would think it would be Smoot with uh, Kalon with uh, Kalavon getting some looks. I've I, I've got to think with uh, Smoot's reliability, he would be the guy and and his his uh, production for the most part. Yes, so. uh, Smoot's got to practice his taunting to hold Chase on off because he's coming up on the outside in <laughs> okay. that department. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> Make sure you well, got your full repertoire. And off. I think John that the matchup this week would determined that it would likely be Smoot because you are going to need the bigger body yes. as a run defender yeah. this week against this kind of matchup with Dallas. We were discussing it when Peterson said it this morning. I I don't know week to week how big of a loss I think Trayvon Walker is necessarily yeah, this for this one, defensive front, sure. but this one I think he is potentially a big one. Yeah, because he's – if it, it, whatever else he's been, uh, stout against the run, hard to, uh, hard to keep him from holding the edge. Um, it's not a week. You, there's no week you want to lose him because, no matter what criticism he's taken, he's he's much better than the alternative. Uh, this is not the week. Good week for the pass rushes. Past week was that just them taking advantage of a, a positive matchup in their favor. Well, I think it was it, it was positive matchup and uh, really good rush early uh, when uh, Trayvon forced the fumble. But then you got the lead back. You got up. And, and you had pass rushing opportunities all throughout the second half. Uh, much easier in this league to rush the passer when, and uh, there was one late in the second quarter, I think, that came on third and 15. They were rushing in a lot of positive situations, in a lot of good situations to rush in, and, and it made it count. Plus, a really uh, depleted left and right tackle mm-hmm. for the Texans. So it all added up, but they took advantage of it. Yeah. Uh- Dallas loses their right tackle, but may get Tyron Smith back. It looks like at yeah. left tackle this week. That's probably a net positive for them, even though Tyron Smith hasn't played much. Um, you know, so yeah, hey, the right look. tackle though is a situation where uh, at some point against this team against Dallas, you need to take advantage of pass rushing opportunities. And uh, Dak has had more of a tendency to throw interceptions this year yes. than in most years. So. I don't know if they'll do it the whole game. I don't know if they'll be consistent with the pass rush, but one or two plays in that area. Well, for big. instance, Dak's played five fewer games than Trevor Lawrence has and has three more interceptions. Yeah, he's so, got nine and eight, which for him is a lot. Right. So, yeah. uh, you know, if you get your hands on the football, you get your chance. I mean, that that's going to be – there's like I feel like there's not a very big margin for error right. game for the Jaguars. There will be plays to be made. Yep. Will you make those plays at that time? And we might not know until after the game, looking back, which ones were the ones that yeah. um, could have provided the victory if you come up short. On games like this, I like to say, if you see defenders on their knees pounding the ground after a missed oh, in- interception, yes, it's not good. But, you know, If you get those, all of a sudden momentum's turning your way. If you have too many where you're coming off going, okay, we'll get them next time, in these games, sometimes they're on a next time. Uh, you talked about, you know, good pass rush early and then, you know, kind of game script plays into that as you get up by two scores. Donovan Darius couldn't join us today, but he did text me this morning and said that was his big key was the Jags able to extend to a two-score lead against that team. Changes the dynamic of the game entirely. Right. You know, Jeff was, like, 
questioning why do they go away from Derrick Henry in the third quarter a little bit yesterday, Jeff Logman. I, I don't think they did. If you really look at it, Jags had the ball for half the third right. quarter. Then they give it to Henry twice, and yeah. they go three and out. And then the next drive, they throw on first down, and, and Logs contention, well, you should have given it to Henry on first down. All right, well, he gotten stuffed the last couple of times. You can't, you can't throw run every on every time. first down. Right. So they get sacked. Now it's second and 14. That takes Henry a little bit out of the mix as well. So those two drives were just – they barely had the ball. Right. You know, barely had it at all in the third quarter. It wasn't like they had a chance to establish Derrick Henry. It's a different story if you get up two scores this week. Yeah. Dallas can strike quickly. Um, and, right. you know, they could score defensively. You know, they're they're very dangerous in that department. But, you know, CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz, uh, he could, uh, in terms of tight end stretch in the seam, uh, they've got speedy guys on the outside. They have big possession guys on the outside. Uh, they got a little mix of everything, and then that doesn't even get to Pollard and Elliott coming out of the backfield. So They're loaded. And yeah, they uh, are. But, it, hey, but you want to play big boy football, let's go. Yeah, this is the one. You're coming here. Uh for the first time in a long time, you can say, okay, they're loaded, but the Jaguars offensively feel like they can go out and keep up with good teams right now. That's what they're going to have to do. Yeah, but you can't – if you find yourself down in obvious pass rush situations with Demarcus Lawrence right. and Dorrance Armstrong and Micah Parsons, you'd be in big trouble. So, um, you know, can't can't get off to a slow start and let Dallas yeah. get up on you and have that advantage early. It'll be interesting to see how Doug handles – Red zone situations, uh, fourth and three from the Dallas 30 situations. Uh, oh, I think it'll be super aggressive. This yeah, you week, feel like you? it's going to be a game where he thinks, look, we're probably not going to beat this team. We're probably not going to beat this team kicking field goals. Right. Look, if it's fourth and one at the 10, fine. Go for it. If it's fourth and three at the 10, I'm probably taking the short three. If it's fourth and three at the 30, yeah, let's right. go. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's, let's, let's make a play, put it in the hands of, the red-hot Trevor Lawrence right now. Well, and it's also a week, John, where we've seen this run game that struggled for the last month, mm-hmm. right? And now you're going up against the Dallas team that is among the best pass defenses in the league. That's where you're hot right now offensively, but they are among the best pass defenses in the league. I know Doug said it this morning, too. Feels like they probably need to run for 125, 130 this week to give themselves a real chance offensively against this Cowboys team. What has been the problem for the last month with that run game? Well, things have been different things. Uh, ETN was hurt against, I think it was Baltimore. Uh, they got down in a couple of games, so got away from it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I also don't necessarily think that they overly concern, if they're, having a, if they're having a tough running game, I don't think they necessarily panic with it and say, we've got to go get these yards just to get them. Uh, Doug firmly believes if, if if the running game's not working on a day, then you just go and throw. And 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 uh, right now the quarterback is playing well enough to do it. They firmly believe that having the threat of the run, and it it did look like uh, Tennessee in the last couple of teams have been very focused on stopping their run. Uh, when a team is focused on stopping the run against the Jags right now, the way Doug Peterson calls offense, he's not going to run into the face mm-hmm. of seven or eight man fronts. So. Uh, in a sense, that's going to become sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. If a team's really stopping the run on them, they are going to just go ahead and throw the ball on them. All right, hold that thought as Tony Smith takes you around the National Football League. Now, gems around the NFL 
Brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. The initial fears have turned out to be true. Arizona quarterback Kyler Murray did suffer an ACL injury on Monday Night Football. Will obviously miss the remainder of the season. Now be forced to spend his offseason rehabbing from the ACL injury. Baltimore quarterback Tyler Huntley was able to participate in the team's walkthrough practice on Wednesday or Tuesday, but still remains in the league's concussion protocol. Lamar Jackson did not practice as he continues to try to work back from a knee injury. Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones said yesterday that Tyron Smith is expected to play this week against the Jaguars. Los Angeles Rams head coach Sean McVay said yesterday that it is unlikely that wide receiver Cooper Cup plays again this season. He also said that defensive tackle Aaron Donald has a chance to play on Monday Night Football this week against Green Bay. Atlanta has waived running back Damian Williams. Arizona has waived cornerback Trayvon Mullen, who they acquired in a trade earlier this season from the Las Vegas Raiders. And the NFL and NFLPA are looking into the removal of New England Patriots wide receiver Devontae Parker from Monday night's game against Arizona. Teammate Nelson Aguilar told, got the game stopped after the hit on Parker before the ball was snapped again and Parker was then removed from the game. All right, uh, weird story with Marcus Mariota uh, stepping away from the Falcons. A report came out during the bye week that they're going to go with rookie Desmond Ritter. Then it came out that they were going to put Mariota on injured reserve, even though he hadn't been on the injury report all year long. Then you had a report that he left the team, and it was clearly indicated that like, he had left the team like, wasn't sure what his future held kind of thing. Would they release him? Then you found out that uh, his significant other had a baby this week on Tuesday. And it's like there's no clear-cut answer here <laughs> as to why, what's going on. If it's as simple as Marcus Mariota's having a kid and he took a few days to be with the kid, yeah, why wouldn't you, you just put that out there, right? Think. It would make perfect sense. But uh, I, I, don't, I hate these situations where, you know, oh, Marcus Mariota, apparently, I mean, if this is the case, and he doesn't seem like this kind of guy, but – um, what he's he's upset that he's getting demoted, so I'm gonna take my ball and go home. And then what the for the Falcons, all they can do is cut him. Well, what like right? What happened at like a contract? Like if you don't show up, right? Why do I have to pay you? I don't. It just seems so odd to me. It goes back to the whole player demanding a trade thing. No, right? Okay, I mean <laughs> I'm fine. If you want to demand a trade, go ahead and demand a trade. I don't have to give it to right, you. Right, demand all you want. But the idea that I'm going to leave, like right. literally leave and go home because I'm unhappy with the situation and I expect you to accommodate me. Right. Um, that's where we are. I don't know if that's – Kids these days. Well, I just – if I'm the Falcons, man, I, I just – I don't understand why teams don't press their bill. Like you said, just no. Right. No. What, yeah, and, we're good. And and then what? You know, you're right. not going to play? Okay. You know? I, yeah, I, um, I agree. You know, but, but we're old. If you're not going to pay him, you got to trade that guy. No, give me a break, man. I mean, that's what contracts are about. And I get it. Look, they're one-sided. They're much in favor of the teams and management. Um, the players have a right to negotiate how one-sided they are every time mm -hmm. the collective bargaining agreement comes up. And they're seemingly quite content with, you know, they, they like to complain after the fact, but yeah. uh, they, they don't want to risk missing any paychecks tone either well it's already been an issue in the league for a while now it's it's a relatively new issue for it to be as loud as it has been say in the last 10 years or so in the league john but with the way college football is working now where basically everybody's a free agent all the time mm -hmm. 
right? Like you're just changing whatever schools. I'm not getting the opportunity. I'm going somewhere else. I'm going somewhere else. I'm going somewhere else where I'm going to get the chance to play. They're going to come into the league if they make it that far, and someone's going to say, no, you're going to play for us for four years, and you don't have a choice on this. Right. Like you're under contract. You don't get to decide uh, as freely as you got to even in college what you were doing. And and by the way, transfer portal it up, man. I mean, if those are the rules, take advantage. I got no issue with it existing. It's the transition that these young men are going to have to make to the league where, no, you're under contract, and that's that's the rules. You're under contract and how they're going to deal with that. Yeah. um, You know, and it it has been brought up, though. uh, You know, PFT is always trying to stir the pot, but they did a piece on this about a week ago that are we getting to the point now, like if if Caleb Williams comes out next year and he's the consensus number one overall pick, he's not eligible for this year's, you know, the 2023 draft, but in 2024, if he doesn't like the team picking at the top, he tells him, look, if you pick me, I'll go back to school or I'll take the year off. I've got NIL money. I've made – $5 $5 million in the last couple of years or whatever he makes. And I can sit on this for a year. I can train. And and so you wonder if guys are going to start to get more aggressive about I think you might. doing that before the draft. I think you might. I think it would be a pretty limited situation. Sure, but if but, you're if you're the number one guy and you got a perennially losing franchise right. at the top, I mean, look, Elway did it. Years ago, yeah. right? Uh, Eli Manning did it. It's not unprecedented. Right. And that, and th- in those circumstances, those guys came from well-off families yeah. that, you know, and, and not every prospect is in that situation. Now, everybody's getting paid something, True. you know? So these guys have the ability to take a year off, still help their families out, quote-unquote, and, yep. and still get paid the next time around. Yep. So. Uh, I look. I'm. I'm not hoping that that becomes a major trend. I love a new influx of talent every year, but something to keep an eye out for. Yeah, for I think sure. you'll have some cases of that, and there's. And then I think the reality would eventually set in. Of usually, if you're the number one pick in the draft, you're going to a team that's generally so, right? So but there could be a particular yeah. circumstance where you're like, hey, look, this for sure. whatever reason, this just not this team. I'm not doing it. No, I get it. it, it Yes, I think. Well, Elway and Manning, as you pointed out, they didn't play for the teams that drafted them. Right. Correct. Right. Right. They they, forced their way out of the situation. Out of that number one pick spot. Right. And and now, could you do that ahead of time? Like the Chargers called Eli's bluff, basically. Uh Um, and and in a sense, they kind of called the Giants bluff. You wonder what would have happened if Philip Rivers wasn't available at the fourth pick. Yeah. To swap those guys, you know, would they have dug in and would Eli have held out? For a year, who knows? The history of the National Football League could have been completely different. All right, we'll come back on the other side, take a look at the Chad and Sandy Real Estate question of the day, which asked you, through 13 games, which 2022 newcomer to the Jaguars has been the best addition to the team so far? Players, not coaches, draft pick, or free agent. Uh, There you go. We'll go through your responses and give you our votes as well. Coming up on Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Nobody knows the Jags like Johnny O. Oh knows. Brought to you by Kingfish Pest Control, proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. On 1010XL. Hey, uh, you know who's allowed to break the rules, Tony? People that make the rules. Sure. Right? The, when the rule is no draft talk while the Jags are still in. <laughs> but I just wanted to mention one quick thing. Just one, one little tiny thing, okay? Uh-huh. Not about specific players. Just something that annoyed me. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Wilson at CBS does a mock. And has the Jags, wherever they're picking 11, 13, wherever he's got them. Uh, 
take an, an offensive lineman who said maybe could play tackle but might play him at guard. You're going to take a guard. Like, the next pick was that TCU wide receiver. Like, bro, I'm sorry. I will take my chances yeah. on the fourth-round guard over the fourth-round receiver all day long. It, I'm not saying you have to take a receiver in round one, but if you're going to take a freaking guard, take a freaking receiver. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all I'll say about that. And a today. team that going into it is going to have needs at pass rush and Oh, no doubt. Secondary Cornerback. Yeah, I mean, like. Like all uh, these kind of places, yeah, I'd be I'm just pretty saying, upset if they took a guard. If you're going on offense, give me a skill position. I need a tight end or a yeah. wide receiver. Yeah, and, 100%. Uh, and, and we'll figure it out, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, plus you got Barch coming back. We got I mean, Barch coming it, back. It, it, right, we got Sheriff. I, I don't understand man. it. Don't understand it. Yeah, it, it, well. We got Walker Little ready to ascend. That's right. If we need him to. Yeah, I'd, yeah that'd be Potentially. Surprising. Maybe yeah, you'd be yeah. surprised. You say no. I'd I'd be surprised if 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 it was if they took a guard. Oh, I thought you'd be surprised if Walker Little. No, was no, not at all. I mean, no. I, I I no in, interior offensive line for this team. It was would, just would be, I was like, what are we yeah. doing here, man? You know, come <laughs> yeah. on. I like Ryan. Ryan's a good dude yeah. and all that. I think he's pretty thoughtful, but that one left me wanting. All right. Uh, so anyway, sorry, broke the rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't mean you're allowed to. Uh, here we go. With the Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day, uh, how did I write it exactly? Through 13 games, which 2022 newcomer to the Jaguars has been the best addition to the team so far? Players, not coaches, E.T., why don't we discuss in the form of a 10-10 take? 10 10 take. Now, the 10-10 take with Mike Dempsey, brought to you by Northern Tool. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. We're made for this. All right. Um. Boy, Trayvon Walker and Devin Lloyd, not even real serious candidates for this, no. in, in I my went opinion. 10 deep on my list. On your list of they're guys. On the, they're on the list of 10, All right, you've but got they're a list the back of 10. half. So let me see if I can, if we can populate your list of 10. Let's give some nominees. Okay. Uh, obviously, Christian Kirk yep. is one of those 10. John, who you got? Uh, I'd say Christian, uh, i say Zay Jones. Of course, yeah. I would Zay's say Zay on Jones. The list. Yep. Evan Ingram's got to be one of the 10. Yep. Best. Sheriff. Uh, Sheriff. Yep. Fortner. Yep. Aluakin. Yep. Who else? Uh, How many is that? Six plus the first rounders? Yeah. I think you've gotten at least who I had as kind of my top five. John, you got Snoop Connor on your list? No. No. Fadakasi. Right at the end of my list. What's that? Right at the end of my list. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So it's. And then Walker Lloyd. No. But he should be. Actually, he should be ahead of Fadakasi. Yes, yeah. he should. But either way, you probably yeah. got about like four-ish legit, legit candidates. Guys here. that I feel really good about. All right, yeah. so who, who's number one in your list? Who's the guy you feel the best about? Best Christian, new addition. Christian Kirk. Kirk, okay. I'm not sure that's close, is it? I mean, I think it is. I, I, in fact, he's not. It wouldn't be the top guy on my list. Really? And, yeah. True story. I mean, I, I think he's been mm-hmm. a really good addition. I think they've hit on – Several guys. So, Kirk would obviously, it sounds like, be the number one guy on your list, John. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. E.T., who's the number one newcomer for you? Foyer. Foyer. Right. Yeah. I, I got Foyer ahead of Kirk. Me too. And, and again, look, this is not that the defense has been great. No. I'm just trying to imagine what it would be like without him yeah. in there. You talk about all the times he's had to line young guys up and working with rookie linebackers. Oh, well, and he's leading the league in tackles on, again. Which was my next sentence. Like, yeah. He's on pace to lead the league in tackles again. Yeah especially the last few weeks, has been all over the damn place. And, again, you know, defense is lacking. 
but I think Foyer has been a very solid signing. I just hate to see. Imagine if you're trying to play Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma together. Yeah. This year. I mean, you I had know. him at number two on my list. Zay Jones was three. Evan Ingram four. Sheriff five. I see. I got Fortner at in the and top. And he was six. Yeah. To me, it's Fortner yeah. and Foyer. Mm-hmm. Like Fortner, and and part of it is factoring in what you invested to get him. Like for people voting for Zay, yeah. I don't think Zay's a better impact player than Christian Kirk. Zay actually has caught one more pass than Christian Kirk mm-hmm. this year, but Kirk has scored seven touchdowns to two for Zay Jones, and he's got uh, about two hundred and twenty more receiving yards on his one fewer reception. I think Christian Kirk has made a bigger impact. But if you want to go with, you're getting. That impact from Zay Jones at half the cost, mm-hmm. okay, that's fine. Then I think that's legit. You're getting Luke Fortner coming in here as a third-round pick and doing the number one thing you want an offensive lineman to do, which is never be mentioned. Sure. Never have his name brought up, right? And nobody ever brings up Luke Fortner that much. I'm sure he's had some you know, bad plays along the way, but damn, man, to come in as a rookie center mm-hmm. and handle his business like he has, I think is just I'd been be exceptional. Noticed. I mean, it, we probably have Sheriff probably a little low on the list. Maybe uh, so. But a guard, it's hard to gauge. And He's had a big impact, and you paid a bunch of money, and you expect Sheriff to be that. Right. And that doesn't mean, look, you could factor it in however you want. If you want to say, hey, well, you didn't say it has to exceed expectations. I had high expectations. He's met them. That's fine. Yeah. Right? Well, and the offensive line has been good yes, this year. Right. So and so it's it, you're not going to talk about those guys all that much especially on the interior. They're especially, not screwing right. up. Right. If your quarterback's not getting killed. Yeah. Now, didn't open many holes in the run game this week. It's not perfect, man. No. Nothing's perfect here. Um Kirk is the overwhelming choice on Twitter today. Uh Cristiano goes Kirk, Scott goes Aluikin. Uh, Leland going with Zay Jones said, with the exception of the Lions game, been consistent in getting open, making plays quickly, becoming one of my favorite players. We all love Zay. Yeah. Um, so far, it's Kirk for Trevor Lawrence of Arabia, a Lewican for Big <laughs> Will, uh, Foyer for Justin, uh, Andrew. In the offseason, I said Aluakin and Fadakasi don't fix our defense. Both have been B-plus major contributors. Defense isn't fixed, but I was wrong. Well, you're right that they didn't fix it, but uh, it was particularly – Aluakin, I think, has been uh, noticeable in a positive way. Got to go Kirk overall. Honorable mention to Fadakasi, Zay Jones, uh, Foyer, Kirk. Kirk, Jones, and Ingram combo. You know, and that's the thing. Like, Ingram hasn't been more productive. But then, if, as you did yesterday, Tony, look at his numbers versus the rest of the tight ends in the league. Yeah. Then you go, oh, oh you know, he's kind, of, he's kind of a top 10 tight end. In terms yeah. of at least offensive production. And I do think you have to account for him, even when he's not catching. I mean, I think that has helped the offense overall, that there's a guy there that they have to worry about on defense. Now, the look, Logs will tell you he's blocked better than they expected him to, but I don't think you look at Evan Ingram and go, well, that's a, a road grading, you know, guy. That's not he's what you brought job, him in though. to do. Yeah. He's done his job, right. right, but he's not George Kittle uh, in that department. There's no Leon Searcy. Well, <laughs> that's a hell of a segue. And he needs 30 yards for the third best season at a from a tight end in franchise history which also is it speaks to the history of the position of yeah. the tight end yeah. position in jaguar history let's say hello to xl primetime now the two-minute drill brought to you by tire outlet 
Keeping 1010XL talking with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. All right, Big Sirs in the house. Hello, Leon. What's going on, gentlemen? Uh, we're asking today, or we did ask today, um, in terms of uh, draft pick or free agent through 13 games, who's been the, the best addition to this football team? However you want to define um, that. Wow. A free agent. Christian Kurtz. Okay. okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with Christian Kirk. Uh, that, so He's been a more reliable, did. more consistent player all throughout the season. Yeah, that uh, most people did go with that. I, I went with Foyer simply because I'd hate to think what that linebacking core in terms no. You know what? In terms of getting guys lined up, making plays, leading the league in tackles, I, I would not like to think of what the uh, the well, Jaguars' defense would look like, how much worse it might be without him right well, now. Well, I mean, yeah, he does. He sets the table for everybody to eat. Front line, back line. So, uh, yeah. That's a good. That's a good one. I All like right. That. Well, yeah. what do you guys have coming up today? Uh, well, we're going to kind of talk about what's. Uh, you know, December is kind of important when it comes to football and <laughs> making sure the Jaguars have got the mental state to play in December. Because you know, it's been a while since this team has played a meaningful game. Don't know if we'll, we'll know if they have that how, state. How would they react Sunday? to it? You know, I mean, are, will they be unwrapping gifts or will they be focused on football? Right. They, well, they reacted poorly against Detroit. They reacted they did. great last week. They will. Yeah, they were. They were kind of looking at the gifts. Well, might have been. <laughs> you know, we'll find out. Uh, what do you guys uh, – so just digging into all that. Digging into all that. Call, all right. We'll talk a little college football. All right, uh, sirs, have a good show. All right, appreciate it. All right, for the next three hours, XL Primetime coming your way. Uh, John, for the next few days, what do you have cooking at Jaguars.com? Uh, we'll have uh, Cam Robinson on the Ozone podcast. That should be uh, executed tomorrow. We're uh, running later in the week. And uh, Bucky Brooks and I will be talking Jags with J.P. Shadrick on the Huddle Up podcast oh. at 4 p.m. Anytime you can get J.P. – it's a good day. It's a day. It is a day. All right, John, <laughs> have a, uh, a great few days, and we'll talk to you on Sunday. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. All right, check out uh, Johnny O over at Jaguars.com or at John Osier on Twitter. For Tony Smith, for E.T., I'm Mike Dempsey. Uh, Double D will be back with us next week. Tomorrow, Breakfast Bowl. I'm buying. It's all good. Mike DeRocco will join us, and uh, we'll march towards the Jaguars' upset victory over the Dallas Cowboys, oh, you can't uh, you can't do it until you believe you can do it, and uh, I guess my belief has no impact on it. But nevertheless, uh, I'm hopeful. All right, that'll do it for us today. XL Primetime coming up next. Jaguars today returns tomorrow at 10 a.m. here on 1010 XL and 92.5 FM. Go Jacksonville. Go!